Hey everybody, just a couple things before we get started. If you'd like to check out any past episodes, you can go to letgoddie.com. We also have a few short films and study resources, and there's a support tab if you'd like to support what we do financially. Today's episode is with Eric from Pocket Vinyl, and we end the episode with the song Foggy Mess from their album Death Anxiety. And one little detail, near the end we talk about not being able to see Eric, he was in a silhouette the whole time. So just wanted to mention that so you had some context for those comments. Welcome to Let God Die, the weekly podcast sharing stories of God transforming lives through changing perceptions of who He is and what it means to follow Him. We believe that commonly those who reject God haven't experienced the truth of who He is and that those who follow God often have false expectations or understandings. Together, we can take those perceptions of God and let them die, so God can live. All right, so this is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And this is Calvin. And our guest today is one half of the band Pocket Vinyl, Eric Stevenson. Eric, can you tell us a little bit about Pocket Vinyl, where you guys are from? Uh, sure. Uh, we are from Connecticut. I, it's a duo, me and, um, my, uh, partner Elizabeth. We just kind of travel around the country about six months out of the year and I play the piano and sing. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is next to me on stage, uh, creating a painting and which we like, like a live, uh, about two, two by two foot painting, uh, which we auction off after the show. Uh, every single painting is different. All our songs consist of about uh, from concept albums uh regarding things of of non-depressing songs about death and non-sexy songs about sex and lots of things that i try to (laughs) basically if i realize that there's a topic i don't want to write about uh, then i usually try to gravitate towards trying to write about that (laughs) so what made you guys decide to like actually become like a band I've always wanted to pursue music in some degree. And when it came to the time of my life where I kind of saved up some money and I realized I was good, I wanted to go on tour. Uh, I was just going to go by myself. But then Elizabeth and I started dating at the time and she's like, Hey, I'd love to go on tour with you. And I was like, yeah, I'd like to go on tour with you too. And we, <laughs> you know, wanted to kiss each other more and all that kind of stuff. And so she's like, Hey, I'll just paint on stage. And uh, we started doing that and found out that it really worked together and after we kind of did that first tour, we spent about five weeks together um, and still really liked each other. And we kind of realized, I think this might work in the long term. So we got married and that was in 2011 and we've been doing it ever since. Nice. And what, was that like an, an intentional, I guess, kind of choice for her to do the art, the painting while you play and sing? Or was that something that kind of just organically happened? No, she was she's just a painter. And and that's I mean, we knew uh there's a great band out of uh Minnesota called Cloud Cult that we knew about. They have like a full band and two live painters. Oh. And we had known about them before and known that it was just a thing that like we certainly didn't invent the live painting thing. It's been going on, you know, bands have been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Uh but we just I, we were just dating and liked being around each other and she's like, "Yeah, I I'll paint on stage." And I was like, "Great. It, I don't want to be all alone on the road, so sure." And so it it's it, it, it's I mean, now we're we're it's such a well-oiled machine and we're 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 very you know, good and we know how to do it, but when it started, it wasn't really purposeful at all. I was just I mean, I was starting pocket vinyl. It was just going to be me. Um, and then once she kind of came in it, that, then it really made sense and it kind of gave us an identity. Um, but it, it was, it, it was something we just, it happened by accident because we we're two humans who happened to just enjoy spending a lot of time with each other. So there wasn't like some sort of like, like, you know, master plan thing that we, I don't know, made together. It just, it just happened very naturally. Yeah. Nice. I think it totally does work for your style. Uh, uh, one of our friends, Jared Conti, I'm not sure if you've met him, Calvin, um, but he lives out in this region. Uh, he, for a really long time, bugged me and bugged me about, you got to go see Pocket Vinyl. And uh, he described mm-hmm. you guys, you know, like Eric plays the keys and sings, uh, Elizabeth paints, and it's just a really cool experience. 
And uh, for a little while, I was kind of skeptical because I was like, I don't know if that'll really fit, you know, but I, I found myself yeah, like when no. you play the show here, just totally entranced by watching you and watching her and blown away that she could put out such amazing paintings in the in a set's time. Well, thank you. Uh, that is a reaction that is very common. Yeah, <laughs> I found. In fact, I'm wondering, Calvin, if you're having that reaction in your mind right now, because I know a lot of people who when they hear about our band, it's kind of like, oh, that's cute. Like, uh, like, so sort of like, like, a, uh, um, like, like it's some sort of a kitsch or, or a, a, I don't know, like a, a gimmick. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, gimmick. Uh, as if it's some sort of gimmick. It, it, to me, it's like if you could say bass, drums, and guitar are a gimmick. <laughs> the reason why we don't think of it as a gimmick is because that's such a common, uh, you know, grouping. But it's it's just that it's how the band is is formed. And and I think, yeah, Elizabeth and I, I mean, we've played almost 800 shows and we've gotten really good at what we do. And there have been a lot of people who, like yourself, have been skeptical. And then once they kind of see us perform, it they kind of realize that it's not like this, like two people doing two different things on stage. Yeah, it's two people doing two different things, but doing them together. It's it it there's there's a cohesiveness to it that cannot be explained other than just seeing us perform live. And I find that incredibly frustrating because I think it's probably stopped us from getting shows and fans in the past <laughs> and probably will continue to do that in the future. But hey, everyone who sees us kind of seems to get on board. So I'm happy about that. Pocket Vinyl is not just a band, but an experience. That's what I'm like. Yeah, it's feeling. it's um, I think that that's it's it's hard to describe really because it's i mean we you know live in an age where it's such you know everything is you need an elevator pitch for everything and i feel like we don't have a good elevator pitch like you can say like oh a one man piano band plus a live painter but that again that sounds kind of cheesy to me yes yeah, right. um and it, it's it's I don't know. It's 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 just I I think I do think it's something that what we do. I think Elizabeth's paintings are the reason to see us live because I mean we have records and stuff and you can hear all our songs uh, with all those things. But but to see Elizabeth do what she does and have it accompanied by our songs and stuff, it's just it's it's I don't know. I, I hope I don't sound like I'm some sort of arrogant guy. I just I'm very confident in what we do and I know it's it's a it's a good show and and um, yeah it's it's hard to describe but yeah it's it is what it is. And I'm thankful that we do have something that, you know, we've played in some of the most like rural bars with like five people in them. And, and a lot of the time we've been able to kind of get those, you know, five people on our side uh, by the end of the concert. And, and it's, 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 I've noticed, I feel like we're a band that that's good at convincing people to pay attention to us <laughs> during the at live shows. Yeah, it can be a tricky thing in this day of day and age of like, you know, things being so heavily labeled and like I, I think a lot of people want to know what they're ex gonna expect going to a show or like going to any like artistic anything mm -hmm. like there are a lot of things that i realize that i avoid because i'm like man if this is not well done or if it's awkward like i might not want to come to another thing like this you know um but i mean that's like my that's my favorite art, though, is like the things that are an experience. Yeah, and and that's for for those listening who aren't aware. Our, our most recent album was called Uncomfortably Unsure, and it was all it's an album all about songs about sex, but not like not sexy songs, like not like hey let's go have sex, but like hey let's like I I have issues uh, with uh, m misogyny as a man that I have come to understand through my wife Elizabeth that I don't even think about. But because of culture and society and stuff, that there are just ways that I think that are kind of ingrained in me that are real problems. And I really hate that they're there and they just come up every once in a while. And it's trying to, like, recognize those things. And like like you said, you kind of want to know what you're getting into with the Pocket Violence Show. And oftentimes we ask people to go to uh, uncomfortable places. But that's also the the places that I find most rewarding personally. And so... Yeah, one thing that I think you even when you played at our house made some comments about like we're going to be talking about some uncomfortable things uh, like in your set. And I don't know, like to me, when I listen to your music and seeing you live, there are certain things that I kind of gravitated towards. I was like, man, I felt like you approached them in a respectful way. Me and Kendra have talked about 
how oftentimes the only context that certain things like sex are talked about are in a way that like draws attention to the awkwardness instead of, I think the way that you said it, unsexy songs about sex, like is pretty accurate, you know, in a way that just, yeah, has some like respect for the topic at hand instead of like, mm. oh, let's just bring this into the light and like make jokes about it. And, you know, that's definitely the 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 uh, the temptation. And, and there are like, you know, pages of, of bad lyrics that were, you know, I thankfully had the clarity to discard yeah. from the final version of the album uh, that, that were a bit more tongue in cheek and stuff. And and I don't know, I, I, I just I've kind of realized that that um, it that there are things I want to get rid of within myself, things of of. Uh, you know, I mean, things that Elizabeth deals with too. Like a, a good example is, um, I, I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm a man yet. I, I'm not a big, uh, sports person. I'm a vegetarian. I don't know. There, there a lot of, uh, kind of testosterone driven male culture does not, I, I don't gravitate towards that. And there have been sources in my life that have, have kind of told me whether it's individual people or, or like, you know, some sort of movies or film or something or music, even um, just places have told me that that's not like what men do. Yeah. And, and that I'm like less of a man because I don't do a B and C uh, at the same time, <laughs> you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, certain like, Oh, men are always like this. And you hear like things like that. And I realize that I am like that and I feel that way. And especially uh, when it comes to, I mean, some, you know, sexual things, especially I, the, the whole just like, oh, guys will like, you know, have sex with anything that moves and, and all that kind of stuff. There's, there are some times where I get annoyed by like how, I mean, just to be blunt, you know, how easily I can get turned on by something or like how, like, so the, so the ways that, I don't know. I, I am like a stereotypical man. I find frustrating sometimes. And the ways that I'm not like a stereotypical man, I find frustrating that I'm told I should be like the other things. And it's all this just crap that I, I really don't like dealing with. And I hate that I don't talk about it with anyone else. I hate that it's something that I'm told to be ashamed of. I mean, even right now, I, I feel like my voice is trembling a little bit because I kind of, I know that we shouldn't be talking about this sort of like or at least some part of my mind, whether something of my upbringing or whatever is telling me that, that this should not be talked about. And it makes me nervous. But at the same time, I just want to get it out of my life. I mean, a, a few years ago, we about actually five years ago this fall, um, we released an album called Death Anxiety, which I, at the time I was thinking a lot about death and and I we wrote an entire album about it and I I've processed a lot of feelings and now I feel a lot more comfortable with the idea of my own death. I feel a lot more comfortable with, with just all things surrounding that topic. And I kind of thought uh, when we were starting to work on this, this, you know, sex album that like, well, maybe I can get to a point where I can feel comfortable with all these things that I've been told all my life. Don't talk about and, and don't feel comfortable with just ignore them until you die. So Eric, where does that come from for you? Uh, do you think like, I mean, I know for myself, a lot of the things that we talk about on the podcast uh, really stem from, I guess, growing up in like a church culture that uh, doubt and just like dealing with real things were kind of shoved under the rug. Um, so mm -hmm. we like to just like really approach things. I mean, as much as we can just head on and deal with like difficult topics and just, I don't know, I, I guess approach things that have been conveyed about, you know, who God is and what it means to follow him um, that we've right. come to believe are really based on nothing. Um, but I guess like <laughs> if for, for you, like where does that desire to, to really approach difficult topics? And I know that you talk a lot about, um, I guess, like struggles with faith or um, just like really the realities of where you are between you know, like you and God, you talk a lot about that stuff. So I was just kind of curious if you want to delve into that a little bit. I would say that personally, my faith, uh, having grown up in a very moderate to conservative Christian uh, community and family, um, a lot of my faith is pretty standard from probably both of you guys, or a lot of my like growing up faith. Um, and, uh, 
in the past decade or, or so it's 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 taken a lot of different forms at the moment <laughs> uh and you know this could be all obsolete in like six months time in terms of what i think because yeah. that's just the nature of the beast i think that god exists in truth and i i don't know exactly what form that takes a lot of the time uh um i, I don't i don't know how to define god other than at the i feel god more in the questions than i do when i hear the answers I have spent time with people who ask a lot of great questions, and I feel like those conversations and those times are are really valuable to me. Um, and and I feel like you know God or whatever, some sort of spirituality or, or something is is involved in those conversations. It's like you know, kind of like that in the air and in your hearts type of thing. And I've spoken a lot, so sure themselves on all sides of the equation too not like not just religious even uh, i mean from atheists to uh agnostic to 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 whatever branch of faith you know you want to talk to the people who really have the answers and who are like all right look this is what's going on and this 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 it just there's no wonder there there's no that's kind of some red flags to me like if someone isn't isn't is just so sure of their own beliefs um that they have no room for for change. Uh, I think it's it's uh, I think it was in a Rob Bell book I read once where he described people having faith like a brick wall, where if you start to question things and take away bricks, you know, you can take away like just a few and the whole wall starts to crumble. Mm -hmm. But if you have faith like a trampoline, where um, you kind of change springs and move around the springs all around the side and bounce on it, you can feel how it, you know, you change some things and, and bounce on it and see how it feels. And and you can just, you know, a, a more flexible way of trying to understand God. Because at the end of the day, we are all just ants trying to understand like the internet when it comes, <laughs> you know, like when it comes to God and like all that kind of stuff. And so the best thing that I've found is, is in truth, and in questions, and and when I say truth, I mean ultimately what I mean is is searching and trying to find it. Um, I think it's definitely one of those things where the the journey is far more important than the destination. Because as soon as you get to the destination, a lot of people just treat the destination like another thing they own. You know, they're like some people have time, and then they find God in in some form, and they're like, "Oh man!" And now I have God, and it's great. And now I have this desk, and I have this lamp, and I have God, and it, like it just becomes another thing that they have control of. And to me, I just think a, a lot of it is 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 the lack of control, and and finding God in those moments when when you feel the weakest, uh, finding God in the moments when when you are the most unsure of things because out those times the the spirituality of everything just seems heightened and and things in my mind seem to just glow a little bit more and it interacting with some divine presence um again i don't know what that is <laughs> uh i i think the kind of old man in the sky type of thing which i mean frankly no one really believes in that so <laughs> uh but but that type of like the classic view of a Western modern Christian God um, is I don't think it's anything like that. But but it, it to me, I heard uh, this other time, I think it was uh, Peter Rollins, who's an author in one of his books. He described God as um, light coming out of a light bulb in a room. And often people point to the light bulb and they say, oh, look, that's God. Like right there. That's the thing you see. But rather the light bulb is not God, but the light itself that fills the room is God. So if you're in a dark room, um, the way you see that room, if it's like pitch black, that's completely different. And having God is like turning on a light. All of a sudden, the room looks different and you see things in a radically different way. Nothing's changed other than what you are aware of. And I think that to me is kind of closer <laughs> to how I view God. And I think partly that ties back to what I was saying earlier into that it, because that's just, that's so vague <laughs> and kind of a, a strange way of putting it that, that I, 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 something about it speaks truth. And so all that goes back to why I try to write music and songs and, and, and during concerts go into a lot of this kind of 
harder stuff is because those questions, it just feels like that's where God is. Again, it comes back to, I, I could have said that in such a shorter amount of time, but it, it's God is in the questions, not the answers. That's basically it. <laughs> and so I find the questions is far more valuable. There's a good friend of mine um, who years ago, the way that he put it, and we've brought this up a ton on this podcast, the way he wrote it was like uh, that he wants to always write down, you know, who God is on his heart and pencil, you know, just so he's never coming to a point where he's like, all right, God is this way. And then trying to I guess, interpret all experiences and attributing that characteristic of what he believes God to be to that one thing, Mm. you know, Um, I guess kind of like with the brick analogy, like, I I guess not allowing that, that wall to fall down because you're terrified of what would be on the other side type thing. Um, And I think that that's really like what this podcast has come out of. I I think there's a point in time, maybe when I was in my young twenties that I realized that most of the things that, I believed about the character of God and what it meant to follow him were really based on nothing. Um, and I didn't really know where they came from. Um, and that really scared the heck out of me because, uh, I was like, I want to search and I want to, yeah, not so much find answers, but like to me, to me, like clarity and understanding, you know, is really under, really important. Uh, but I mean, I think the way that you put it, just like the questions themselves, uh, you know, asking the right questions, I think is far more important than even, the understanding, you know, um, I think it's just the, the, the uneven ground. I think, I think the, the moments when you just have no, it's almost like the, the moments when you're free falling, like the moments when I felt the most, like, what am I doing with any type of my own theology or spirituality have been a lot of the most valuable moments of my life, uh, in retrospect. Yeah, I just remember hearing like just like give things to God, just like let go. But they didn't they didn't really mean let go. I think there's just a value in really just letting go of of almost everything that you do believe. Cuz you know, and I I know some people who've done that and they've they've never come back to the faith. And and maybe they never will. Um, you know, whatever the the faith is. Uh, but for me, and I think for a lot of people, the most valuable thing you can do, especially if you grew up in the church, is to just completely lose your faith. Uh, because then it, otherwise you're just, you're, you're following someone else's beliefs. Um, and cause you know, that's what I did. I, it's, it's, uh, it's like I got them like hand me down pants or something like that. And you're just like, all right, I'll go to church now. And I'm, um, you know, I'll, I'll do this and, and believe this thing. And okay. And, and, and when I felt like I really fell from all of that, uh, it, it made me question everything and, and reevaluate just all the building blocks. And so I, I just think that's far more valuable. There's a friend of ours who, uh, he's, a, he's a youth pastor and, um, it was kind of wild. Like when he moved, uh, from Michigan to Colorado. Um, I think it was like the last sermon that he gave. Um, it was just like really on his heart to talk about, like he recognized that most of the kids that he was like in youth ministry with were really, uh, functioning on, I don't know if this is a term that like he came up with. He's the only person I've heard use it, but like borrowed faith. Um, and he talked a lot and he talked a lot about you know, like most of the kids didn't come from church homes, you know. Um, but I think his mm-hmm. his thing was more so like, you know, him as as their leader, you know, they're almost like fun- functioning vicariously through the faith that he had, you know. I, I thought he always did a great job of like welcoming, like, yeah, man, you have doubts, you have questions, you know, like you're searching, like this is a safe place to do that, you know, which uh, I have not seen many times in the church. Um, I think sure. my, my church experience nowadays that is, it's a safe place. But I think growing up, it was just kind of like so focused on getting at answers uh, that if you had questions, or it was just kind of like, wait, why are you questioning that? We already have an answer for you, you know? Like, Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it comes back to, to <laughs> the church is a business. <laughs> they they got to give people the goods week after week. So that sweet, sweet tithe money keeps coming in. You know what I mean? It's It's very, it's very tough to try to maintain a strong church fellowship that's based around just being like the pastor going, I don't know guys. Uh, I mean, 
this maybe, but what do you think? I don't know. Like you need, you know, it, it, I understand that, that a lot of churches need to, you know, a guy needs to go up there and be like, we need to do this. We need to be more like this. We need to do this. Um, and, but it, but again, that, that's not profitable and, and not, you know, not to, to be gross about bringing like money into things, but it's, it's, it's just not. And, and you need to have, um, I mean, you need to have some business sense to run a church. <laughs> and so it, it's it's very easy to, to, you know, focus on the more, the easier passages of, of the Bible, the, the easier ones to interpret the way you want um, and, and do things like off that rather than, I, I just, yeah, I just, I don't think that they're overall that they're not very, yeah, you, you, you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, it, it's just, it, it's hard to keep up that, that, that the church fellowship with, with, kind of a, a theology of of being completely unsure of everything. Yeah, uh, I've, I've definitely come across individual churches that I think are doing a lot of things right, you know, not getting in the politics of uh, the business side of things. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we had a guest on a few episodes ago. Um, he's a pastor out in Colorado. And he said that, like, he was like, to be honest with you, like, most of my sermons are me sharing about how I'm completely a mess and just you know don't have things together but that he believes that god is the one who is his strength you know not at all like a god god wants to empower you you know like be your best you but more so just like man like i'm still this guy who's on this journey who does not know a lot a lot of things and uh who's still falling on his face you know but he was he was just saying that that's Hmm. That was the route that he decided to go basically from day one. And he said uh, that a lot of people have been really uncomfortable with that and haven't want to stuck around, you know, because they're just like, we need we need a strong pastor, you know. He was just like, yeah, but this is this is how I think the church should be, you know, just like I'm part of I'm part of this congregation, you know, I'm not some guy on a pedestal. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, pastors like him. I actually honor a lot for their honesty and as well, like understanding the fact that as a Christian, like you're constantly on a journey of like being renewed in your mind. And like a lot of old thinking is dying and a lot of new life is being brought in. So like, of course, there's going to be a lot of stumbling. There's going to be some bumping your head. There's going to be get some getting some things wrong. Uh, I think me and you talked about this the last podcast is that sometimes people don't always need to see the end result, but sometimes they need to see the process. And like, I would much rather back a pastor who knows his direction and is stumbling on his way there than for one who is trying to tell me how to live my life, but honestly doesn't live it himself and is like kind of living like hypocritically. It's it's like those when the, the pastor or something is asking those questions, it, it feels those are the times when you like I was saying before, where like it feels like God is there in some way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's hard to describe, but you're just like it just something about it feels right rather than when you know you have the people who just are on the pedestal telling you what to do and not to do. It's just, it's so, it feels like such a neutered form of, of theology. Man, um, I guess on behalf of uh, churches, I guess that you may have been to that have treated you in that type of way, like, I earnestly want to apologize. Um, that's the furthest oh, thing from the Lord's yeah, heart. No, no. <laughs> like, you know, I, I just want to, like, make sure that that's said, man. Like, there there's definitely a deeper, uh, a deeper relationship and a realness to it. And, like, I don't know if... Maybe your experiences were just really, really hard. Like, I want to apologize on behalf of those people who were just, I guess, overzealous and just, I guess, undereducated on the heart of Jesus. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate it. But, like, I mean, I'm I'm still, uh, I mean, again, I, I don't know exactly how I, I think of, of, of God and how it all works or anything but like, like the one thing that that i often say about my faith um i guess i i feel a little defensive because kind of how you said that question it i i feel like more of a uh an, an outsider with things but i still kind of very much consider myself uh i mean just for better or for worse um i i will always be theologically driven to some way um and, and like thinking about it and um often the thing i i, I feel like is a very strong rock for me is the thought that you know regardless of what whether you know whether god even exists or whether jesus was who he said i think that the way jesus asked people to live their lives is the best way that i've ever 
heard of anyone living their life. And so there's a part of me that's like, you know, regardless of, of, of the, the truth of theology or anything, um, I think I do think that like following Christ's teachings can it, it will lead you to the most fulfilling life you can live. And so at the very least, if there's nothing and I die and, it, you know, then we all just become nothing or whatever. I'll you know, I can at least die knowing that I, I lived my life the best way possible. And I think that I mean, to me, it just seemed like that would be the the point. It, like if if I, I would almost think that that Jesus and God, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of forming these ideas that come, but it's almost like I wonder how much they care that you believe in them, and if they more care living your life the way they. Do you know what I mean? Because that's how it affects other people. That's the 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 that can be the positive change when you show love and compassion and empathy and 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 mercy to other people. That's like if you don't do that, then what's the point of saying you're a Christ follower anyway? Right. And so, I don't know. I've I've I mean I've met some Christians who I think are are just are very hateful people, and I've met some atheists that I think followed Christ's teachings better than most Christians I've met. <laughs> and there's, there, it's it's such a hodgepodge. And what personally how I interpret that is just like we're all just humans trying to figure it out. And, and anyway, all that is say, yeah, I, I'm not I hope I'm not coming off as as um as feeling too jaded or anything by the church because I think it's a great community. And that's the one thing that I, I'm not really part of a church now, but the one thing I miss the most is just that sense of community. And I think that uh, going back to, to, to like pastors who, you know, who, who are who more about uh, like Josh, you were saying that that one guy from Colorado, who's like just unsure of things and, and trying to, to preach that specific gospel. I think, I think they should focus more on community um, to help get people like involved, because that's the one thing that, church has over a lot of of humanity is it's a community that is there after college after school after you know work that you can be a part of and i think for non-believers there's it's rare to find a community like that mm -hmm. that you can kind of plug into no matter where you're at you know yeah for sure oh yeah i think yeah i think like the the i think like the 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 lgbtq community sort of has that like and, and they i think they do a good job at at being there for each other and kind of you know if you're if you're in that community and you move to a new town you could probably find pretty easily through the internet like you know uh, uh gatherings or other people who get together and i think the church could almost take a page from from their book in terms of organization and and just just trying to get people together under under a, a, a common tent yeah going off of that man like uh it's really been on my heart more recently than ever before just like to to listen for instance with that example just that i don't know i think a lot of people have this mindset of like just being defensive or on the offensive towards the towards that community you know like um instead of like you yeah. oh they're doing a lot of things that we could learn from you know like that's kind of a crazy uh, that could be a crazy thought to some people you know but at the same time, like, man, whenever I hear someone like talk about like negativity towards, towards Christians or towards God or towards the church, I guess I, I've been surrounded by so many people that get defensive over those things and want to like react where it's just like, no, like there's a, probably a lot of truth in what, what is being said. And I think if anything, there's a lot of frustration from, uh, I guess you could say like the unchurched world that the church is not what the church should be, you know? I think mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that are not part of parts of churches that if churches actually listened to what those people had to say, I think that things could just be so much stronger in community and the church could actually be more of what it was meant to be instead of just, you know, us versus them and uh, even like a mentality of like us serving them instead of us serving with them type type of attitude I, I yeah I, I i agree with you and, and i think a lot of it comes down to just people being like elizabeth and i um we don't have kids um and we probably will never have kids uh that's just our choice we have discovered that there are some people who really want to have kids or who do already have kids who feel like threatened 
when we say that. Yeah. And I, I mean, pe- people can do whatever they want when it comes to children. If you want to have them or not, it's whatever. I mean, Josh, I know you're you're going to become a parent. Or are you a parent? Uh, we're uh, a few weeks away. Is- By the time we release this episode, uh, we we may be new parents. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. Like that's awesome, man, and I'm I'm excited for you, and and that's that's a journey you guys want to take. But like you know, we found that this is just one example of of uh, sometimes people just get they think that your choices or the way that you're living or the groups you're affiliated with are somehow against what they are. Hmm. Even you know what I mean? Like I mean that's that's why a lot of you know there are a lot of atheists who are just like, yeah, if you want to believe in God, do whatever. But a lot of Christians, when they, they hear about any atheist, they're like, Oh, they're, they're like attacking us or something like that. When that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, are, I mean, one of the best examples of the last few years is the, um, uh, you know, the whole movement of like black slide, black slot, black lives matter. Uh, and then all these other movements are like popping up and like, no, all live blue. And it's like, Whoa, that's guys, that is not the point. No, the, <laughs> it was not like, they weren't against anything. It was all, it was just for something else. And, but whenever you bring up some sort of ideal, like ideology or something, often people take that as like, Oh, it's against my ideology, like without even really comparing notes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that, that, that Christians do that. I mean, atheists definitely do that. Uh, um, uh, I, whatever on all sides, it's just, it's very easy to do. And so I think that that's one thing that, yeah, I mean, uh, we're obviously specific talking specifically talking about, you know, the church and stuff. But I think all just all people need to just take a step back and realize that, like, everyone's sort of trying to do the same thing. <laughs> like, every, everyone's just trying to, like, be happy to, to, to love people, to, to make sure that, that there's justice in the world, to make sure that there's, like, good things. And, yeah, we disagree on how to implement all these things. But... In the end, again, like, you know, LGBTQ people just want happiness and, and safety and, and to be treated as humans. And, you know, Christians want to be able to do their religion. And, and obviously, I know sometimes things interact, but I just think there's a lot of misunderstandings that you're right. Like speaking and listening, um, I think, are key. And and. Yeah, I don't know. I, ultimately, I'm just agreeing with you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> with your friends, I guess who say like, uh, with your your marriage and you decided not to have kids, like, one, I think that's really cool. Like, is uh, it's countercultural, which is probably why they're like kind of taken back by it. But I think it's pretty awesome. Like, you guys know that your marriage doesn't have to look like everyone else's to be validated, and like, I think that's really awesome. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I, you know, just to be real with you guys, I, uh, a few months before we got married, even I got a vasectomy <laughs> Oh, really? and, uh, just because we were like, yeah. And cause I mean, we were like, well, Elizabeth just didn't want to give birth ever. And I was, I just have no need to feel like a father or something. And we ever thought if we did change our minds, both of us are, are uh, like, we think pretty highly of, of adoption and people who adopt kids. And so we'll just go that route. So we were just like, yeah, why worry about any of that? And, oh man, I've like, I've had friends. I don't know if Josh or if you if you guys have had this, but like just where they have like those pregnancy scares, where mm-hmm. like they'll just have like a month where they're like, "Oh, she missed her period." And I, oh man, not now. It just it can not now. And like <laughs> I just <laughs> man, I, we've never gone through that, and it, it seems. And I am. It was. I'm so happy. I I do not regret that decision at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's. I mean, it's again. It, I don't think that it should be. You know, I, I appreciate Calvin the the sentiment, but like, I, you know, I, I don't. It it to me, I, I don't think it should be countercultural because it's it's again, I, I'm not against anyone having kids. It's just it was our own choice, and it's 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 funny to me that it is countercultural, uh, just because it it just doesn't. I don't know. It just it just it's a thing that I'm choosing to do, and it doesn't mean I want other people to not have kids. It doesn't. I mean, right. you know it's it's just it's just a choice and it's it's just surprising how a little thing like that that feels like it's just a personal decision for us and it only really affects our lives is something that can be taken so offensively by someone else and i i just i think that's a great example of how that can happen on all sides of of almost any people group to another people group <laughs> yeah yeah and i think uh, all those things are great to converse about like when when possible you know 
I think like when decisions are made out of fear, you know, and I'm not making that assumption, uh, but I'm just saying that like, I think there are some people that are just like, I'm never going to do this because it terrifies me where it's just like, yeah, if that's where you're at, be honest about it. But maybe that's not the best reason to make that decision at the same time. Just like understanding that like your validation and value as, as a man does not come from the ability to have kids, you know, um, or like the decision to have kids, you know, but that's, that's how things are conveyed a lot. Like we, uh, talked with, um, with a guy fairly recently, me and Kendra about how, um, he's had so much pressure to, to, he, he's a, a gay man who, has all this pressure to find the right girl and to get married. Um, and he said he has all this pressure from, <laughs> from people in the gay community that are like uh, about fighting. Wait, the right still now he like, he, 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 he gets that. Is, is he out? Yeah. Like, is, yeah. I mean, is he a yeah. public, um, yeah. but he still gets that pressure from who? Uh, he wrote a book called single gay Christian. Um, we had him on the show recently and his, uh, essential story is that, he is a gay man and that that is not something that God has taken the desire away from him for. But uh, where where he's at is he's like, I can't reconcile being in a relationship with a man. Um, he's just like, I don't really believe that that is what God has for me. So I'm going to stay single. Uh, for him, he's he said, what Jesus wants for me is more important than what I want for me. He's said time and time again to people just that like, wait a second, like me being a full person does not come from being in a relationship with another woman. It doesn't come from a relationship with another man. Um, like my validation and value as a person, like comes from God and comes from like the love that I have in, of community, you know, but we talked a lot about how, yeah, he'll still get comments made about like, if you just find the right girl. And he said from, from the gay community, he gets, people making comments like if you just find the right man and he's just said that that's been indicative to him that just like so countercultural, even though it shouldn't be you know that you would ever possibly in your right mind choose to be single you know i'm fascinated by that because that seems like such a unique position um, and viewpoint that he's in it's it's like interesting because uh yeah he just shared that there was a point in time that he realized like yeah you know like this is a different position and I've had some really interesting conversations with people. I just want to write about it and ended up writing a book and it's, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was a great read and very intriguing. Go listen to that episode, everybody. Yeah. Including you, <laughs> Eric and Calvin, if you haven't, but <laughs> I'm on it. And I feel like even from the moment that you started talking about just like, uh, things that are attributed to masculinity, you know, um, is just kind of a crazy thing, just like how much, I don't know, like how much culture and just like society uh, does like still want to box things, even though there is so much focus on like being an individual and like not being I don't know, defined by people, but still we want to like box people in and it's just kind of crazy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I will, I think it, it needs to be said that I mean, continuing with this conversation, um, yeah, there is a lot of pressure on, on you know, at the same time, it's nothing compared to the pressure that, like, women have to deal oh, yeah. with, with the boxes sure. that they're told to be in. And so Absolutely. I just, I think especially just as a reminder to ourselves and everyone listening, we're, all of us are aware of that. Yeah. that like, we certainly have the, the easiest viewpoint. But um, <laughs> a lot of the reason, though, why, you know, the the album and stuff, why, why still diving into those things is because is those things are still important. And I, I mean, again, I've heard things through Elizabeth and I've gotten that perspective of, of, um, I mean, through a lot of people too, but mostly I get it through Elizabeth of, of her perspective of being a woman and what it's like to deal with all those, uh, just pressures and attitudes and, 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 and boxes that people want her to fit in. Um, but it's, it's, I, I, I don't have that, personal viewpoint or, or like that that personal perspective and that's why a lot of our like you know music and 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 the art and stuff that i make it's it comes from a very um a, a place of 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 like a lot of i language <laughs> um with just me talking about my own thing because that's all i feel like i can do uh because uh, you know i think too with with an argument one thing that i think people often 
they'll say like, hey, this is my position and you should think this too because this, 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 this is what you should think. I've hardly ever been convinced of a position when someone has approached me like that. But sure. I've been very convinced. Yeah, I've been very convinced though when someone is like, hey, look, I've been through this. These events and, and my experience has led me to these beliefs because of these things. And that's my story. And they're not telling me how to act or how to think or anything. They're just telling me what they're, you know, where they come from. And and so that's, I try to keep a lot of our, our songs and music and, and even I, I hope I've been keeping a lot of this uh, conversation, how I've been speaking to that kind of I language of just talking about my experience with all these things. And, and two, it's, I know there's, there's a weird, I don't know. It's always weird to be like, yeah, we should all listen and blah, 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 blah. And at the same time, I'm, I've been speaking like 80% of the time on this podcast, uh, you know, giving my viewpoint. And part of that is because you asked me to be on yeah, so You're a guest. Just take the opportunity <laughs> you're and... the guest, man. Yo. So question for you, Eric, um, when it comes to you guys' yeah. music, like um, if there was like one song that if people have never experienced what you guys do, what song would you want to point them to to kind of like show them like who you guys are or like your band like in particular i probably given the context of this podcast and all that we've been talking about uh i would point them to our song foggy mess That's which the is one the I last was gonna mention. song off our album oh, <laughs> well, it's, it's the last song on our our album death anxiety um and it's very it's it's the most theologically obvious song on our album on on of pretty much probably any of our our music and it's very lyrical heavy and uh, very theologically driven uh it's basically a summary of kind of where i've been more or less uh in my life with with all of that kind of stuff it's it i mean it doesn't have a lot of piano in it. <laughs> it's one of our, even though we're mostly a piano-driven band, it, it's a great tune. All basically, this entire conversation sort of in a song. I, I just wanted to say that, like, hearing you talk between your your set your songs when you played here and just talking afterwards, I was just like, this guy has a lot of insight, and I don't know, like, I respect where you're coming from and the way that I've described things. Um, to, to Calvin earlier was like a lot of the time that I hear people talk about the things that you talk about, it's from just like a, such a place of like bitterness and almost like, like declarations of where things are jacked up. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I feel more that you approach things with, a I guess just a sense of like still searching and, the process instead of I've arrived well, at like the yeah. answers and things are jacked up, you know, I don't know. It's well, you know what it, it is. I, 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 I mean, I, I hope it's this, but it, it, it's that I, I try not to have an agenda about it. Yeah. Like even yeah. all this, even all, everything we're talking about on the podcast, I, I hope, I mean, yeah, I've got opinions, but at the end of the day, I, I do my best to try not to have, I hope I'm not, I don't want to try to sound like I'm trying to convince someone of anything. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm just trying to add to the conversation. I think that's what so often is, is people come to, to, you know, political discussions, to theological discussions, to, to, to lifestyle discussions with, with an agenda of the conversation where they're not really willing to listen. They always, it's always just like, um, you know, hey, by they think to themselves, by the end of this conversation, I, I'm going to convince this person of my position. Yeah. And and beliefs and theology and and trying to find God, I find it such a fascinating topic, and it, it's, I think it's such an amazing thing to explore, and I love it when I can like, you know, come up to someone and be like, oh, hey, I think God is the light, not the light bulb, and someone else is like, oh, wow, I, I actually I, I ascribe to to thinking that God is this goose that that wanders around and 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 looks at people and they get blessed when that does that, and I, like someone else comes in and it's like, oh, I believe in the giant spaghetti monster, and you're just like, cool, all right, well, hey, if that's your thing, <laughs> because I think it's it's when you can take away the 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 agenda out of the conversation, all of a sudden it, it becomes a, a conversation about wonder and, 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 and trying to find joy and, and meaning rather than a conversation where there's a winner and a loser. Right. And I think that that, that just needs to just 
be gone. And that's I, I'm again, I'm Jason or Josh. I'm, I'm glad you're telling me this because I mean, the whole intention of a lot of what I try to say is to try to bring up and, and talk about all these things without sounding like I'm trying to convince you of my position. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that's I, th- I think that's like a sincerity, you know, that comes across, you know, like. Uh, that that's what I want to strive to be, you know, is just like being sincere and like you talked, talk, we we're talking earlier, just like, yeah, sharing experiences, you know, like I, I forever want to tell the story of how, how Jesus has impacted my life. Um, but yeah, I really want it to be in a way that is sharing my story and not just, yeah, and, and I want to convince you, of, you know, it, it's hard to even just use words like Jesus or Christian or, or, or church, without any type of of um agenda simply because those things have all had agenda behind them in conversations for centuries now (laughs) and and so it's you know like in my opinion i think the word christian is ruined um I, i i think that you know like i was saying earlier i i uh like to Calvin, I was like, I, I think Jesus is is the way he promoted people to live their own to, to live life. I think is the best way that one can live their own life. I I would call myself a follower of Jesus or AKA Christian, but at the same time, I really don't like using the word Christian because as soon as I say that in a conversation, or, or as soon as you say atheist in a conversation, or agnostic, or or, or uh, you know Buddhist or whatever, it all of a sudden the person who's listening to you brings in all the baggage that they have with those words Mm -hmm. and it's it's just it's the hardest you you can't fight that either you know what i mean and then it just all becomes about agenda Uh, just real quick thought i don't know if i shared that with you before eric but that's what this whole entire thing came from was when i was working a job way back in the day and i would get people asking me questions like they would ask are you a christian and for the longest time i said yes and the conversation always stopped there um, and from that point forward, it was just like, all right, I know this and this and this and this about Josh. And all of that was yeah. true at the time, you know? Um, but then I just like came to a point where I was like, oh yeah, I want nothing to do with what, what a quote unquote Christian is an American Christian conservative, you know, man, like, um, but yeah, really just getting down to the nitty gritty of like, what does, what should that word mean? And what does it really mean to follow Jesus instead of just, I'm part of this club, you know? It's a whole other conversation to try to, to to figure out if if that word we need to get rid of it or or if we need to try to reclaim it. And I don't know the answer to that. I, was, uh, I almost feel like when uh, when you like I guess in my own personal experience talking to people, like uh, when you do mention the word Christian, you kind of feel like you have to talk your way out of a hole first in order for <laughs> to hear you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's I'm a Christian, you, but oh, not like that, not like that. You know, right? Like you 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 automatically end up in a ditch in their mind. And you have to like try to like talk your way out of the ditch for them to understand. Like, okay, well, he, he's a dude just like I am. Like, you know, he's not here to push anything. He's just telling me where he's at. And like, I guess in my experience, I've experienced that with a couple people, and it kind of sucks, but. At the same time, like, you know, the burden of proof is on the believers to actually, like, believe what they, to believe their truth, you know? So, like, if you are to tell someone, like, I am a believer, like, for one, like, for one, be real about that. And for two, like, I hope that, you know, you're, you're doing it the way Jesus would and not the way you want to. Yeah, and that's, to me, that's why it, it, it comes back to actions, and I think that, that that following what Jesus said is is almost more. I, I think it's more important than actually believing that Jesus was who he said he was. Because I, I, the older I get, the more I prescribe to the thought that your actions are your beliefs. You yes. know, I know a lot of people who are like, "Yeah, you should love everybody," but they don't, <laughs> and <laughs> I can tell because of their actions. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm guilty of that. I, you know, I think that volunteer work is good. I haven't done volunteer work in such a long time. So do I really believe that? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could talk about different levels of belief of like thinking something is a good thing to do and then doing. I mean, you. it's obviously you, you get into a lot of gray area. But I think yeah. when it comes down to it, if you're, you know, it's yeah, you should. It's like, what's that? uh I don't know. I feel like there's some verse about like they'll they'll know you're you know you follow Christ by. It says that we they will know you by the way you love one another, 
And yeah. Yeah. And the one that you talked about with uh, fake faith and works, like it's kind of hard to say you believe in something if your life doesn't line up with that belief. So like, yeah, like your faith, uh, your actions will actually determine what you truly believe. I remember, I remember having a, uh, a conversation with someone one time who was like arguing with me against that. And they were like, well, I believe like I, ice, I believe ice cream is my favorite food, but I'm not going to eat it for every meal. And I was like, yeah, because you also believe that that would be incredibly unhealthy for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, you know, it's not just like your, you know, your favorites and things like that. It's just it's I don't know. It, it's all all this stuff, man. This is great. I, I love talking about this. I'm like, I know that like we're kind of getting towards <laughs> the end, but I'm like fired up now. This is, this is great. There's a dude, I love this story and I really want to have them on the podcast at some point in time. So I'm saying this now for one, so I will hold myself to it, but also (laughs) for you guys. Um, But we have a friend who lives out in Missouri and uh, I knew that his parents were in foster care. They've adopted some kids and uh, I was just asking him about it one day and I was like, is that something that you grew up around or like more like when you were a teenager? And uh, he said, man, like my parents were on the front lines of like pro-choice, like going to abortion clinics and like holding the signs and being, you know, all, all against abortion. He said that there was a time that someone came up to his parents and they were just like, you know, you're, you're so against abortions. Like who's going to take these kids that are born and like kind of railed it, just like reamed (laughs) into them. Um, and he said, my parents actually, instead of getting defensive and like arguing with the guy, uh, took it in and started adopting. And I was just like, dude, how beautiful is that? You know, like if we could just yeah. do that in general, you know, when someone is just like, instead of like, uh, like you were talking earlier, being against us, just like recognizing, like, you know, something that uh, there's some truth in that. There's maybe a lot oh, yeah. of truth in that. And <laughs> I want to like good... actually follow. And that's, yeah. And, and again, that, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Abortion is another great example of something that that is is there are a lot of good points on a lot of sides of that issue, um, and it's it's not something simple. And I feel like people treat it uh, that, uh, that that's an example of something that people treat as just black and white. When I think there's a lot more gray areas and and just a lot more to explore. <sighs> Again, people just need to talk without agendas. The point of this this episode, I think that that is <laughs> that's what I would like people to go away with. I'm like evangelical about not being evangelical. (laughs) (laughs) Own it. I'm just like, oh man, like everyone should go out there and just not convince anyone of their position. (laughs) I'm convinced. So it's working. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Eric, you're successful already. (laughs) Well, dude, Eric, uh, I'm encouraged by you, man. I don't know. Like even conversations that you had, we had one-on-one when you were here have stuck with me and challenged me in my faith. And, uh, I don't know. Thanks for doing what you what you do. And um, as far as what you guys are up to as a band, what's the best way for people to to follow along and check out what you do? Just uh, the band is called Pocket Vinyl. Just search that in a search bar somewhere on the internet, and we'll come up. There is nothing else called Pocket Vinyl. Whatever social media you like to use, we are on there. So just search Pocket Vinyl. It's usually at Pocket Vinyl dot com slash pocket vinyl pocket vinyl uh, i mean www.pocketvinyl.com it just it's very easy to find us as a band we really lucked out with a band name oh go. also too if i can plug i uh um so elizabeth the painter in our band she if i can plug her she yeah. uh has a a web comic called the touring test I love which it. is it's kind of sort of semi auto oh you, you're aware of it oh yeah yeah it's great oh, yeah. it's, so, right. it's so clever yeah. man i love it <laughs> thanks it's um yeah it's it's a web comic uh, comes out twice a week it's it's sort of semi-autobiographical just about uh uh sort of us sort of just living life as an artist in a touring band it's kind of funny she actually uh recently her her account's blown up a little bit to where she's she has more uh like followers and stuff through that than she does with than we do with pocket vinyl <laughs> it's Dang. It's most likely that anyone listening to this podcast is more aware of the Turing test than they are of Pocket Vinyl. <laughs> it was fun. There was actually we actually had a show in uh, uh oh actually near you, Calvin. We played in uh, Lansing, uh, Michigan back in uh, April. And oh. during our after our show, this girl came up to us and she was like, "During your last song, 
I realized that you guys are from the Turing test. <laughs> I was wild. like, oh, cool. Yeah. All right. And she just happened to be at the show. So right now I'm I'm excited about it. It's not like, I mean, Elizabeth, you know, I help her sometimes like word things or whatever, but that's like, it's, I just think it's awesome. And that, that if, if you're going to check out one thing, go check out that. Well, thanks a ton, dude. Dude, I'd love to meet you in person, man, and meet her too. Calvin, it would be an honor, man. Yeah, some, we'll, we'll yeah. connect someday. And we can watch the rest of development. <laughs> yeah. The together. <laughs> Do appreciate you, brother. Sweet. Well, yeah, thank you guys very much for, for having having me on. Sorry, I, I again, look like a, a some sort of, you know, uh, witness protection program person from my <laughs> webcam. But uh, I appreciate that, you know, <laughs> appreciate you guys sticking with me. Yeah, Calvin, uh, look Eric up later so you know what he looks like. <laughs> Oh yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah, later, guys. All right, see you, man. <laughs> All right, so Cal, there there are some like specific conversations that I've had uh, with Eric that have stood out, stood out to me. A lot of things that he shared with me that were just you know like personal, like one on one conversations, just about things that he realizes. You know that a lot of a lot of us Christians don't really follow the way of Jesus with. That I was like, man that's you're right you know i just gathered a lot from him and what he does it's great i believe it's also good to uh it's healthy to actually be at a place where you're being challenged to take next steps like it's easy to become complacent and just think that you know everything is either about you or your walk becomes so personal that you don't involve other people in it or that it doesn't affect other people socially like the decisions that we make but they totally do and like to be open to, I guess, that type of like challenge, not like just like mean criticism for the sake of criticism, but like, uh, like, a, I guess, like a word about an area that's could possibly be neglected to be like, hey, well, this is this is a thing that I'm noticing. Like, oh, I'm noticing that thing, too. Like, I'm not mad at you for calling it out. It's just true. Like, let's take next steps to get where we need to be. And I think that's very important. Well, listeners. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, definitely check out Pocket Vinyl, pocketvinyl.com. You can check them out on Spotify. They are likely coming to a city somewhere near you at some point in time. It definitely is an experience to see them live. And they're just really kind people. They have a lot of cool things that they're doing. Until next time, y'all. Monday I'd rejoice in the glow of Christ. Tuesday I'd proclaim that it was all I then right back to my religious self I was sure of nothing and I wanted help I heard that doubt like an annoying bell I believed because I was just scared of hell Yeah, I had no depth of commitment I followed Christ to avoid the punishment I changed my veil, I had a spiritual schism I dabbled in the church of atheism Tried to rid myself of all that I could From the Sunday school lessons of my childhood But something I noticed internally Like I didn't believe in God But God believed in me Was this a feeling from the divine Or something I made up in my mind Agree.
not sure of the title I hold I'd rather not have one if I can be so bold The one thing I feel I can sink my teeth into Is a love that forgives my enemies And I know I'll fail with the bar so high But something inside me compels me to try And you may call me a heretic You can't spell that word 